0: Welcome to The Clip Show. I'm Tiffany, and I started a hair clip business out of my basement in Seattle in 2019, and it went from a one-woman show to now a team of 14. I'm here chatting with my ops director. What up? I'm Christine. And this is where we chat about growing our small business, responsible manufacturing, and all the nuances in between. Today, we're talking about where do made-in-China stereotypes come from? That's a juicy topic. It is. Yes. It is. It's one we talk about a lot. But first, we want to just do a little chat, a check-in with each other. Okay. Um, But also, we got a really sweet DM from Christina from Smunchies Co. Ooh, Smunchies. She said... (laughs) Okay, you are the first person besides myself that I've heard watches Gaia. <laughs> Can we be friends? Love the Tiffany's Trippin episode. LOL. Oh That's my funny. God. This person is like your soulmate. She is. Let's <laughs> meet. Let's uh, watch Gaia together. Oh my God, Christina, you've made <laughs> Tiffany so happy. Yeah, you've really validated me in a lot of ways. <laughs> I feel like my woo-woo, the side of myself that's like woo-woos, I'm still embarrassed to fully come out. But for anyone else that watches Gaia, it's the Gaia channel. I think it's available through Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fucking fire, man. It is. It's the only. It's literally why I don't watch Netflix anymore because I'm just watching Gaia content. The Gaia content. It's just a channel that's like all like it's all metaphysical stuff. It's about aliens. It's about past lives. Yes. It's about uh, psychedelics. I love that. It's about ancient knowledge. I love that. And you know what I hate, though, is that it's on Amazon. And it's just <laughs> like, it's like everything that I find that's like meaningful in my life. I'm like, I love this. And they're like, oh, great. It was made by the devil. <laughs> <laughs> or it's produced by the devil. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. you just have to have your things and just, you just have to go with it. Yeah. My husband works for the devil, so I... You know, I go with the flow. You go with the flow. Uh, you gotta do it. But I feel like Lulu's stuff is becoming a little bit more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Have you watched Ancient Apocalypse on Netflix? No. What Jesus Christ. Christ. It is so good, Christy. Okay, I'm gonna watch it tonight. I'm gonna make Aaron watch that while we decorate our Yule tree. Oh my God, you have to watch it. And after each episode, you have to send me a text. Yes. And give, you, give me your reaction. <laughs> you know that I love that. There's okay. nothing that I love. Listen, I've Never had Twitter, but I love to live tweet to my friends while I watch things, which is just me texting them Great. while I'm watching it. Great. <laughs> I need that from you. Okay. Yes. Done. It is Done. amazing. It's amazing. Oh, I love this. Um, so the host. He's like a what some would say an amateur archaeologist, but really he's a journalist. So Mm he just like finds interesting shit, and then he's like, "What is going on here?" I fucking love journalists. They just want to like they want to dig into shit, right? I love that, right? So his whole thing that he's been researching for the past sorry, we're going off topic, but I'm really I'm really into it. Um, so the for the past like couple decades, he's been researching these sites all over the earth that are really unexplainable as to how they built them like the pyramids is a great example yes but he he goes into it he's really like because i feel like we make a lot of assumptions like oh they must have just like had help from aliens whatever that's not racist (laughs) continue (laughs) he yeah he like really is like no but if you look at it there's like all these chambers and also like the height of the pyramid is the, like, matches the radius of the earth, and then the base of the pyramid matches, like, the circumference of the earth. Who the fuck, how the fuck could you know that? I know, well, I, like, think about that all the time. What I can't remember which, like, ancient Greek mathematician this was, but he, like, estimated the circumference of the earth with, like, 96% accuracy in, like, ancient Greece. Like how do you fucking do that? Like, yeah. like math truly is like a sacred language, and I really mm, do believe that yeah. on a deep emotional level. Oh yes, 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 yeah. I'm just really, I do. I think the woo part of me is just really interested in like ancient knowledge, and yes. like we think that we are the smartest civilization up to this period, and yeah. I feel like. I feel like that is false. It's like false. Hard false. Well, and like we've have, we've have like so hardly disconnected from nature, which mm-hmm. is where I feel so much of that knowledge really truly comes from. Yes. Cool. All right. So, anyways, well, made that in was China. my love. In, love is blind. <laughs> I love it. Ancient Honestly, apocalypse. It. All right. Um, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Mm. Um. Oh yeah. So Gaia. Thanks, Christina. We love you. We do. We'll be friends. Say hi to me. I think you own a little brand, right, of scrunchies. So if you ever see me at a show, say hi. Hi to you. Also, how has your week been, Christine? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like that, huh? Yeah, it's been like that. Yeah, it's been. It's been. (laughs) <laughs> Tell me, I have my period, which I hate. Oh, okay. Um, and also, like, I don't know who else is out there um, that has the gerd, but I do, and it's been a rough week of the, the GERD. gerd, gastrointestinal mm-hmm. bullshit. It's it's like real bad acid reflux, oh. and it's just been a hard that's been a hard time. I don't enjoy it. Oh. Um but uh, I just got my dog's room and they smell really good. So, <laughs> so that's both. So that's the upside. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How about you? It's been good. Um yeah, I've just been working a lot cuz it's holiday season. Yeah, you've been like on the grind. Yeah, so I've just been traveling a lot and I'm working the next few straight weekends. <laughs> craft show time it is it is so you know i i love it and i hate it it's like it's hard work it's a lot of schlepping but i also really love like meeting our customers yeah it's like fulfilling but just draining yes yes Uh and then this this past week in general has been tricky i feel like with the team Mm. Um, just with holiday stuff, right? There's just always a lot going on yeah. and there's always things that like could have been planned better. Yeah. You could have always been more proactive and then you're like, oh, why didn't I do this? <laughs> yeah. But it's also been really like, I feel like exciting because all those little frustrations from the past couple weeks, I'm like juiced to make it better. Yes. Yes. We get we get real hyped up about like, oh we're gonna make it so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we've been doing a lot of strategizing, which is always like really, really fun for me. Yes. We love, love to strategize. It. I love it. That's mm. all I wanna do. I want I just wanna organize all of it. <laughs> I'm gonna color code it. This is why this works. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so he's like, I have a big idea and I'm like, is that idea green or blue? <laughs> It's that Aries, like, I'm just gonna light the match. And yes. then Christine's Taurus is like, oh I got you. I'm gonna fix it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Hi, Mom. Oh my gosh. You so are. I love me, it. Where do Made in China stereotypes come from? <sighs> Well, that's a long story. And when we we're making the show notes for this episode, I was like, Christine, you have to watch this episode of yes. The Rise of China on Netflix. What yeah. is it? Like it's, histi- it's Netflix History One Hundred One: The Rise of China. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, so I watched it, like, a year ago, so I don't remember. But Christine just watched it, so she'll have the encyclopedic knowledge. Yeah, I did take four pages of notes. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Me and Tasha are the same, where we just get the gist of stuff, and then, like, our recall is bullshit. Like, our (laughs) recall is just like... I don't know. Some things happened. And I'm like, you don't remember the exact name of that national foreign trade treaty? Oh, I don't know how you remember all that shit. History major. I know, but it's like how your brain works, though. Like, Mm -hmm. you're really able to store that information and then recall it. Yeah. That's just something I don't have. I think that's my trauma response. (laughs) It could be. (laughs) (laughs) But... I did want to start off with just at the top of this subject, where did made in China stereotypes come from? What are the stereotypes, first of all? Oh, yeah. I think when I think of like the stereotypes that people have around things that are made in China, it's always like, oh, this is, this is cheap. This is cheap. This is poorly made. And like, I can't trust the materials. Yeah. Or that it's counterfeit. Yeah. Like, if you think about it with like uh, counterfeit, like luxury bags. Yeah. I, um, you know, I went to fashion school in New York in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. And um, that was a huge thing. Like, going to Canal. Yes, and getting a fake bag. And I, yeah, it was probably big even before that. Oh, yeah, even in like the seventh grade, we went on a field trip to New York and we we're buying fake Oakleys off the sidewalk. Yes, so yes. it's been it's been a minute, you know? Yeah. And then I also think about people always are like, oh, that's like slave labor, it's sweatshop mm-hmm. labor and yeah, terrible working conditions. There's yes. babies on mattresses in the corner. Yes. That's what I always think of. Yes. Babies on mattresses in the corner. <laughs> mattresses. <laughs> I always think of people like, you know, getting their arms like stuck in machines oh. and like shit like that. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. That makes me think of like some 1890s shit. Oh, like the radium girls who used to like lick the radium or the tips of like their paintbrushes when they were painting the watch faces oh. and it was radium that made it glow. And then they all got radium poisoning. Oh my God, it's totally so insane. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so this is the thing. It's like that happened in the US, right? Yes. Because Final every. Shirt waste factory. Yes, because. Every country that goes through that kind of industrial revolution. Right. They also, you know, it gets wild. Well, especially because if you're talking about industrialization, which is normally happening because you want to do something on a larger scale because of profit, mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone that pays the price of that. Yes. Always. And it's always the poor people. And it's <gasps> always the poor people. Yes. Which are mostly children because children are poor. <laughs> children are poor, though. <laughs> children are so poor. It's like you. <laughs> oh, my God. Cut that out. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when did like when do you feel like those stereotypes begin begin though? Like when you when do you remember like that starting to happen? Well, I feel like they begin in the nineties, but that might just be be because like that's when I became aware of thoughts in the nineties. <laughs> but I also think that that's like when the world or like consumers started to pay attention mm. to working practices and to like yeah. where things came from. Yeah, 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 and I think. Right. Like we talked about this when we were planning this episode, like there were some instances like where that came out. I think a great example of that is like Nike, who Mm. like had a huge like slave labor like scandal in their global supply chain. Right. And it's actually really interesting because the majority of like those issues were like being supported by child labor in Cambodia and like Pakistan. Um, with like miners stitching soccer balls um, and like products like seven days a week for 16 hours a day. Um, And so that's like a horrible nightmare. But it's really interesting because I find that like when we're talking about these stereotypes of like everything being made in China, it doesn't matter where some of these like scandals actually happen because people think, made in china they think eastern manufacturing and it's all lumped together Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. have you well this is another documentary i've been watching but pepsi where's my jet oh my gosh i want to watch that because i watched the mcmillions one which was my favorite oh yeah but all of that stuff was in the 90s because like that's when i think advertising became really kind of what modern advertising is and so then they were like oh my god we can really sell some shit yes exactly. and then that's you know that was the time of yeah pepsi and coke and jordan's and all that stuff and so then then right. these companies are like whoa there's huge demand for this stuff and that's where stuff gets a little right exploity <laughs> that's where that's where when one white guy is like you guys <laughs> <laughs> I see an opportunity. Dollar signs. <laughs> it's like then it should start playing the Jaws theme song for all poor people on the planet. <laughs> Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So stereotypes—they were probably starting to start before the nineties, but I think they really—they uh, really imprinted in our collective Western memory. Yes. Through and- through these salacious stories, like Nike, like the fake meat. remember that what was that because that was actually like in the early like aughts like the 2010s oh okay because that was when like there were several things that happened but like one of them was that like mcdonald's got like outed because they saw like or somebody a journalist in shanghai went to a meat processing plant and saw people handling meat with like Just their hands, like, no gloves. They were picking up meat off the floor and putting it back into processing. So that was a huge one. Walmart had this issue where, like, there was fox meat being, like, put in with other types of meat. Like, there were all of these types of things because there were no regulations on anything. And they just wanted to get cheap product out to meet demand. Right. Ugh, meat. Yes. yes. I just remember like the chicken nuggets Oh the chicken nuggets I don't even know if China's involved in that but yeah that was gross yes yes anyway it's so it's it's not coming from nowhere you no. know these things have happened yes. And so I think that's where stereotypes begin. Mm -hmm. But then we have nothing to, like, counterbalance that, or we have no context as to, like, why these things are happening and who's responsible. And I think that there's, like, a very strategic reason, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, what makes these stereotypes so powerful? It's things like xenophobia. Mm -hmm. It's things like fear of communism. Fear of losing jobs, right? Everybody's always worried about the loss of manufacturing jobs in the U.S. Yeah, and, and scapegoating. I mean, the companies that should really be held accountable—they're exactly. like, oh, it's not me. Oh my God, that must be a communist problem. Yeah. All I remember when I was like a kid is like that being like a universal like insult. Like, what are you a communist? Like um, all the time. Yeah, that's I mean, weird. I'm from Wyoming, so like, I guess that's probably <laughs> part of that. Um, but, but I feel like you know as we'll kind of go into a little bit with this history, yeah, there's a lot of scapegoating that's happening that mm-hmm. makes these stereotypes so powerful because we're, like, we get these scandals that stick in everyone's mind, but there's not, like, that counterbalancing, right. like, context of, like, what's actually happening. Yeah, and I also think they're really powerful because it's a stereotype that we could easily just, like, pass by. It's not confronting us in our faces. It's not, like, our neighbors. Yeah. It's, like, a whole nother country Have a world away right and so those stereotypes get passed by very easily but then they're also reinforced very often because made in china is everywhere yeah because they're so ubiquitous but then the conflict isn't in our face and it's an easy thing to blame your problems on that's Mm -hmm. so far away from you yeah yes oh yes well let's talk a little bit about china's history because i feel like in order to understand the stereotypes it's really interesting to understand the history of china's like economic growth yes super important yeah and i kind of want to go back like a little bit farther than that okay so we can get into it but Okay. How far back? Okay. So... We only got 20 more minutes. (laughs) All right. So between the Tigris and the Euphrates... No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. But I do want to kind of get back to this a little bit because a big part of this that plays a huge role in how we view this is global trade and globalization, Mm -hmm. which it was huge in the 90s. Yes. And so I kind of want to give like where the lead up to that came from and how this happened. Yeah. So... Before World War I, most countries in the world have what's called protective tariffs, okay? Okay. And basically what this was is like an average duty or tax or tariff that Mm -hmm. they would put on foreign imported goods Mm -hmm. because that made them more expensive and that protected domestic products uh-huh right like so mi- stuff I make in my country in this country will still be cheaper yes. so there's more incentive to buy within the country and support the manufacturing within the country exactly okay and Got so it. those protective tariffs like averaged around 20 to 22 percent okay Of World War One okay so then and, and a really important thing to know about that is that for the US specifically 95% of our federal revenue came from those protective tariffs before World War I. 95% of our federal Wait, what revenue? What does that mean? So that means like that's what allows our government to operate. 95% of federal revenue came from came from protective tariffs. Oh, oh, okay. Right. And so they the protective tariffs actually Whoa. go down. At, st- at the start, or actually, like, mid-World War I. Okay. Right? So, like, around, like, 1914. And what happened in 1913? Income tax. So, the chair's a huge change in where the revenue for our federal government is coming from. Uh-huh. It goes from protective taxes uh-huh. on the goods from other countries uh-huh. to American income. Okay. So... And very important okay. to think about that. Okay. Um, because it's not like our government has to worry about where their revenue is coming from because they've created an alternate stream. Okay. Right? But the point of this was, well, this will open us up to be able to have more global exchange, right? Like I see, industrialization I see. is happening. Like we need to have more access to these markets, right? Mm-hmm. And then post-World War II, the Truman administration wanted to move away from protective tariffs to encourage more global free trade. So after we've even decreased protect er, protective tariffs after World War One, mm-hmm. the Truman administration is like, we need to do it even more. Mm-hmm. And they say, like, we're doing this to help rebuild um, industrialization and in the economies in Europe and Japan where things have been really um problematic during World War II and like their economies have been destroyed okay but they also have an underlying motive here which is that they want to deter the spread of communism and how do you do Uh, that with capitalism oh right okay so they wanted to deter the spread of communism and they're like oh well if we can encourage global exchange and trade between countries everyone will be motivated by profits and money it'll be great people will not be communist right Damn. So, okay. Um, so that's when in, in 1948 they create the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, or the GATT, which was signed by 23 nations. And it did include China in 1948. But what happened is they lost something called the most favorable, favorable nation status in 1951. Wait, who lost that? China did. Oh. And so what happens for the GATT is that everybody has most favorable nation status. Oh, after they became communists. Exactly. And so, most favorable nation status means that you can't treat any country that you're trading with better than all of the other countries that are part of this. Uh-huh. Right? So, everybody gets treated the cha- like the same. You can't give better deals and less tariffs to a certain country. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, everybody's supposed to be treated equally. Okay. But after the Communist Party rises to power in China, they're like, You don't get that anymore in 1951. So then that that probably spurs their, like, um, okay, well, then we're going to just be super self-reliant. Exactly, right? Because they're going to be like, well, why would I import anything anywhere else if I'm going to get fucked over on all of these duties and all of these tariffs? Right, but then they're also like, but we got a shit ton of people. Exactly. They're like, what do we have on our side? We have so Labor. many fucking people. Yeah, Right. So the Chinese cultural revolution happens. They lose their most favorable nation status. And they're like, okay, fine. We're not going to trade with the West. And we're going to focus on industrialization here. Cause we have a shit ton of people and they're all like out doing like rural farm shit we're gonna build these industrial centers and they're gonna come and work there and we're gonna be reliant on ourselves okay and we're also gonna make things that everybody else wants okay so then they build up these like economic uh centers right they're called special economic zones okay okay and the other important thing to remember right now is that they also close the chinese stock exchange so there's no like Stock internally, like everybody is focusing on like industrialization and how they can like, right, because it's communist China. Mm -hmm. So there's no like, I'm going to have more money than you. We all share the profit. Right. It's like the idea. Yeah. So. They build these special economic zones, though, and the whole point of those is they were formerly, like, rural areas Mm -hmm. where there were lots of people, Mm -hmm. and they could then retrain them to be in, like, industrial practices. Mm -hmm. And these special economic zones have different trade policies than the rest of the country. Okay. So while the rest of the country is, like, no exchange with the West, these zones can trade with the West. So they're starting – that's where, like – Okay, we're communists, but we're gonna introduce a little bit of capitalism. Yes. So that is what we call socialism with Chinese characteristics. Yes. Yes. And those special economic zones have tax-free profits. Mm. So like they're building these up. This is like a great opportunity for them to do huge that. incentive. Huge incentive. Cranking out goods to fulfill the demand for cheap products in yeah. the past. Yep. Right? And As, like, an idea of the scale that this kind of creates is that, like, one of those zones was Shenzhen, which in 1960 had a population of 59,000 people. Mm -hmm. In 2016, they have a population of 12 million. Oh! Wait, how many years later? Yeah, in 2016. So, like, 40, 55, 56 years. Okay. Damn. But... I mean, I mean, huge. this yeah. was a rural fishing yeah, village. Yeah, it goes before. from a village yes. to a city. Exactly. Yeah. And the Chinese economy doubles yeah. between 1960 and 1990 because of this. Yeah. And so in 30 years, it doubles. That's crazy. That's huge, yeah. right? So they're like becoming incredibly self-reliant. All of their domestic demand is met by their own manufacturing right. and they're starting to ship goods out everywhere else from these special economic zones. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they're able to like produce things cheaply cuz they got the labor and once uh you know the US gets taste for like cheaply made goods, exactly. it's hard to stop. Right. Exactly. And so in 1970, Nixon becomes the first U.S. president to ever visit China. Oh. Okay. And his goal is like he wants to reopen these trade, like mm-hmm. this trade exchange. Um, and in 1976, after Mao Zedong's death, his successor begins working with Western leaders because he also wants to reopen this exchange. He mm-hmm. wants most favorable nation status. Wait, who is after Zedong? His name is. Was it who was the who was the Chinese leader that just died? Um, between... it was Deng Xiaoping. Oh, Xiaoping. Mm-hmm. Wait, did he just die, or was he just the one that was like escorted out in humiliation? He no, he died in 1997. Definitely not him. Okay. Um, but Deng Xiaoping is his his successor, and is like, yes, we definitely do want to like work towards this because if we have most favorable nation status again then those tariffs on our products go down and the demand goes up Mm -hmm. even more Uh uh-huh right yeah um and so american corporations start to see like oh hold on a sec we're having to pay more and more for manufacturing in the United States because we're having to start, like, we have a minimum wage. We have all yes. of these things arriving as a yes. result of, like, civil liberties. Okay, yes. And so they're like, this sucks. This cuts into our corporate profit. Right. What if we send manufacturing to China? Yeah. Where it's going to be way cheaper for us. And right. And we have more corporate profit. Right. And this is, this is just, like the The roller coaster of how these nations' economic development is going, right? Because US went through that industrial period. In like the 1880s and 1890s. Right, where that really, some wild shit goes down. But then everyone economically gets lifted up. Yeah. Lifted up enough to this point where they don't have to do manufacturing. They find another country that does it for cheaper. Right. And again, motivated by, I mean, I'm going to say corporate greed, but like motivated sure. by the desire to grow that bottom line. Right, right, right. And how do you do that? By lowering expenses. And where is the easiest way for you to lower expenses if you are like a corporate executive officer? Cost of goods. Yeah, cost of goods. Yeah. And how do you lower the cost of goods? By paying the people who make your goods less. Uh huh. Because the materials are not going to change. You're not going to be able to like successfully it's like get lower material prices Mm -hmm. right so they send a lot of manufacturing over there and it's important for us to know that the last year that the u.s had a positive trade balance so what that means is that we exported as much as we imported Mm -hmm. was 1975. oh mm -hmm. okay so it's been a minute (laughs) yeah right yeah um and so after this after we start opening up these negotiations and this like we start working more with china the US trade deficit grew from six million dollars in nineteen eighty five, mm-hmm. right? Which is like post Nixon and getting into the area where they're really trying to like increase trade with China. Mm-hmm. So it grows from six million, that's the deficit for trade in nineteen eighty five, to eighty three point eight billion in two thousand. Hell yeah. And this is a thing this is the thing where I'm like y'all cannot underestimate China yes. like they will they will for sure like surpass our GDP yes. It's just a matter of time yes and that's exactly what that netflix history 101 says is like they're like the estimate of like when they think this is going to happen is 2025. yeah and that's scary that's scary that's scary that is scary that is scary to people and i think it does um continue to be a factor in stoking xenophobia and like stoking that like us versus them paradigm. Exactly. Yes. Because it's like, well, they're taking our jobs. But I think what I'm trying to like say with this is that like it wasn't like China being like, we're going to come in and take your fucking jobs. Right. It was American corporations giving them away freely to make more money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so then things really fucking go from being sort of on a plateau to like going off a cliff. When China re- then enters the World Trade Organization, right, okay. which is the successor to the GATT that we talked about okay. earlier. We got right? 10 minutes, Christine. Okay, I'm going, I'm going. Okay, so they re-enter the World Trade Organization in 1998, and then they're giving per- permanent normal trade relation status by the U.S. in 2000. And that's after, like, Tiananmen Square happens and mm-hmm. Congress is having all of these conversations where they're like, Okay, we'll give them most favorable nation status for one year, but mm-hmm. we re- like re- we are gonna return the right to like review this on a yearly basis because okay. we don't trust what's going on. Okay, but then everything happens like with like Clinton wanting to reopen like more of that trade, and mm. he's like, no, we're gonna do this fucking permanently, right? Mm. So that's what happens in two thousand. And then the U.S. trade deficit escalates to 162 billion in 2002, and then doubles to 344.8 billion in 2014. Okay. Right. Okay. So things are starting to take a, a big turn. Right. Okay. I kind of lost you, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. And so we've already lost lots of manufacturing jobs in gotcha. the U.S. at this point, yes. right? And then the 2008 crisis hits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know we had started to like see even more manufacturing plants close in the early 2000s after like they entered the world trade organization after they get this permanent like normal trade status and then that 2008 crisis these companies are like no we really gotta cut the expenses Mm. and so we lose 5.8 million manufacturing jobs in the U.S. And 57,000 manufacturing firms closed. Right. And China was, like, sort of affected at the beginning of that crisis because, of course, like, the demand for their exports goes down. Mm -hmm. But they have something that we don't have, which is state-backed communism. So the state of China bails out all of these manufacturers to the tune of 586 billion dollars. So all of those manufacturers are okay. Uh And then they start investing in other developing countries in Asia and in Africa because then they're like, well, we're gonna be smart and have geographical connections. Mm-hmm. So they build a railway from Iwu to London. Yep. They build connections from China to the Pakistani ports. Yeah. And they build a pipeline from Turkmenistan to China. Okay. So now they have the connection the yes. geographical connection to yes. everything they could possibly need yeah. to be like the manufacturing like point of the world. Oh. So Fucking intense, man. I mean, the buildup is huge. Yeah, and we could continue. Oh my god, I can talk about this forever because, like, what we're seeing now with China is is a continuation of China's economic story, and how like that socialism with Chinese characteristics is turning out. Yeah, is really interesting. And also, like during COVID, COVID had so much of an effect on Chinese manufacturing and also Chinese nationalism, Yes. where people really doubled down and was like, um, we're really pro-China manufacturing now, so they're even keeping more of the, like, Chinese yes. people loving Chinese brands. Right, like, the, de- because, I mean, during the 1990s, after the trades opened up more between the West and China, there was, like, this high demand for, like, American luxury Right, goods, exactly. Or the counterfeit exactly. of that. Exactly. But now there's a lot more, like, of this, like, pride for their domestic products. And also, Chinese manufacturing has really become elevated. Like, they make a ton of high, like, high-quality tech and luxury. Yes, because it's, like, what is it? Like, it like if- If you have an iPhone, that's all China. Yes. uh, Yeah, like a ton of luxury is now actually made in China. Right. 41% of the world's computers are made in China, Mm -hmm. and 70% of the world's mobile phones are made in China. And a significant amount of our food comes from China. Like, it's it's crazy. But then also, because... China is now such a powerhouse and so economically strong. Everyone has become lifted up a significant amount to where low-cost workers aren't even easy to find. Right. So Chinese goods are actually becoming more expensive, and I feel like they're kind of going on this trajectory that the U.S. came like went on. Like we see a lot of Ch- new Chinese money. Exactly. And as Chinese people economically and collectively raise up, like that that's why you see just these tensions that are happening now within the country and like because right now like we're in this place where we sent all of our manufacturing to China mm-hmm. and so they're a powerhouse in manufacturing mm-hmm. and they're also experiencing now like that like demand for civil liberty yes and and being right. paid effectively and so the the, pot, the cost of goods is rising right right and so then in America people are like okay so we don't have manufacturing what is our middle class without manufacturing? Yeah. Do we even have a middle, co- middle class? Yeah, I would argue no, late stage capitalism. But but the thing is, right? Like, what do we have if we don't have that? Because China still is saying, okay, well, we're going to raise wages, but we still have these jobs. Yeah, and we have a way to continue being a major player on the economic stage. Right. And so what is, everybody's fear is, what happens to the U.S. if we are not the number one economic superpower? What happens when we don't have we don't own the means of production. Yeah. Right. And that's where I think a lot of those fears and like the power behind it right. comes from like about made in China. Right. Which which really affects American middle and lower class. Right. And it's the scariest for them because they have no industry now. Exactly. It's not it doesn't scare the billionaires because they own everything. Right. Right. But it scares the people who are like, well, I'm a thought worker now, right? Like, my job is, like, fucking typing shit on my computer and, like, so, like you know, supporting some executive. Mm-hmm. Like, what happens when the demand for that goes away? Yeah. What does this have to do with made-in-China stereotypes? Yeah. Well, I just think it's – that was really interesting, just the history, to give you the context of, like, where these stereotypes come from, how they continue to be per- – perpetuated but then hopefully this kind of gives you a fuller picture of the nuances that we need to consider in in order to balance out those stereotypes like there's unethical production everywhere that there is production right right where, where there is a desire for profit there will be exploitation right there's unethical production in the us rampant like it's it's a lot and What's there's up Tyson chicken yeah and there's you know it's everywhere and also like i think made in china gets pitted against like made in us like we said because we're very good at the us versus them but it's a lot more complex. There's not only made in China, but there's also like, or people being proud of stuff made in the U.S., but then you have to think about the supply chain of like, okay, but where do those materials come from? Exactly. Where do raw materials come from? And like, where does all of this actually happen? Yeah. So it's hard to take a black and white stance when you think about all the factors. Yes, that come to play here. Yeah. So then my question for you, Tiffany, is uh-huh. why did you choose the tagline Proudly Made in China? Um, because of my own experiences being a maker and being in that world where we very proudly touted like made in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realizing that anything like made in China was like really stigmatized yes or hidden mm-hmm. and I had done some Chinese manufacturing in my previous business and I really enjoyed working with them yeah and and so then like I guess I was confronted with like okay well if I want to make something in China I don't want to feel ashamed about it I don't want to have to hide it because I don't think I should no Why should you feel shame about it? Yeah, it was something that it was like necessary for us to kind of disrupt that assumption a little bit because it it is so easy to just like pass by it. Absolutely. We know that there is a lot of complexity to this, but we thought it was really important for us to at least be able to address like how this all kind of came to be where it is now in terms of like the sentiment around made in China, Mm -hmm. why we have products that we are very proud of being manufactured in China and like what that partnership looks like for us. Yeah. So and again, it's complicated, you know, it's really right. Like a lot of those fears are valid. Like what happens when like the status quo that we've lived under for many, many years is different. Right. Like what happens to our reported middle class and low class? Right. Like, yeah, it's not like we're anti made in China just because we're I mean, anti made in the U.S. just because we're probably made in China, you know, like I I support All types of however you want to manufacture anything. I just think Made in China gets a bad rap and unduly so. Agree. And I think like globalization, man. We're just at this crazy time where economically we're far into globalization, but our human brains haven't really caught up to understand it. What that really means. Yeah. yeah, What this connectedness really means. Exactly. Agree. Agree. Hard agree. Ugh. (laughs) Christine, you're so smart. Um, Tiffany, you're so smart. Thank you for giving us all the facts. Oh, you know I love a good history. (laughs) I do.
1: (laughs) What should the people do if they liked this
0: episode, Tiffany? Oh, you should definitely rate and review it. Mm. Mm. Um, Yeah. Just tell us what you think, and we'll give you a shout-out, too. We love hearing your reviews and shouting you guys out, so please share them with your other, like, small business, you know, Chunks-obsessed, impact-loving friends, subscribe to the show. You can rate and review every episode, and it really, really helps us out. It really does. We appreciate it. We do. And you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at chunks.shop. And send us a DM if you have any topics you'd like us to talk about. We love you. Hearts. Okay, bye. Bye.